0: going to do the second (laughs) message two-part series on families. I cannot take credit for the entirety of this message. In fact, I went ahead and put on the notes Pastor Daniel Brackenslash, Dr. James Morocco, because this was preached by Dr. Morocco a number of weeks ago. And um, I had numerous people contact me and say, man, pastor threw it down today. And I thought, oh, really? They said, oh, yeah. So I went and checked it out, and I thought, you know what? It's high time we have a message just like this one. And uh, so I I preached last Sunday night, uh, Strong Families Part 1. And so tonight, the second two-part series, uh, Strong Families Part 2, we find our text from the book of Ephesians tonight. And uh, one of the things I love about our church is that there are messages like this. Because I needed to hear messages just like this one and still do. And so grateful. Ephesians chapter 6. If you could pay attention to the moments and these next moments, what I preach and teach to you, and apply it to your life, your life will be changed. Or you'll be able to change someone else's life. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, verse one. Now, I think we just sent a good amount of our children out of the sanctuary, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be coming back. All right, good. Here we go. You ready? Ephesians six, verse one. Children obey. You know, you want your kids to hear this, don't you? It's talking to kids. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up. Everybody say, bring them up. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Very good. Go to Colossians uh, chapter 3, please. And go all the way to verse 20, Colossians 3 and 20. If you're all there, say amen. Amen. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they'll become discouraged. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do tonight, what you did this morning in all of our services, what you're doing in the vision of KC worldwide, 165 different churches now, one church in many locations. We thank you for Dr. Morocco. We thank you for apostolic teaching and training and instruction, God, even for this message that he spent and labored hours over now as I've spent time, help me to deliver it. And bring about the desired result of it as your word goes forth and does not return void. Heal marriages tonight. Heal families tonight. Heal children tonight. Lord, and make us as we partner, as we co-labor with you to have a strong family, that we would have strong families in this house. Say this with me. I will have, I will have a strong family. Ready? Say it again. I will have a strong family. That's right. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What does it look like to have a strong family from God's perspective? It's a fascinating, a fascinating question. A strong family, pastor, that's an oxymoron. That's like That's like a jumbo shrimp. How many of you have a giant small thing? Because many people have been scarred. Many people have been wounded in families so much so that really in their mind to have a strong family is kind of like, I mean, they heard about it, but it's almost like this mysterious thing that's impossible to to bring about in their family. And you might be here tonight or be online or listen at at a later time through our social media and different modes that we have. And been so scarred because of what took place in your family that in your mind to have a healed and whole family it's almost an impossibility. I mean, but you see it in the Word and you hear it from people like myself and others to say, you can have a strong family. You can be healed and whole. You can live a life without drama and ongoing nightmare after nightmare. You can live free from the curse. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You can live free from the curse. You can't. It's God's will. It's God's plan for you. Just a touch of monitor, if you would, please. Thank you, Paul. Let's paint a picture of a strong family. And this is right in your notes. A little bit more, please. It's a family where God's character... This one. Check, check. Sorry, I'm starting to strain my voice. Would you bear with me a second? We're not professionals, really, at all. We're just trying to get it... Job done a little bit, just a touch more. Right there, perfect. Thank you so much, you rock. Amen. Gosh, I feel all anointed now. All right. Let's paint a picture of a strong family, okay? So, what is a strong family? A strong family, and it's just right here, and these are the words of Dr. Morocco it's a family where God's character is love, His glory is reflected in the lives of each member of the family. And their interaction together. It's a place of safety, support, love, healing, refreshing, and good memories. Wow. You say, is that even possible in a fallen world? And I want to tell you that it is absolutely possible. It's not only possible, it's God's will. It's God's will for you to live in a family that's healed and whole and strong. Strong daddy, strong mama, strong children, And if you're a single mom, God will make you strong and bless you and help you. you're a single dad, God will make you strong and bless you and help you. It is possible to have a, a wonderful, healed and whole family. And it's possible because of the work of Jesus. It's possible because of redemption. It's possible because we have the Word of God to help us. It's possible because we can be made new creatures. You don't have to be the old, busted, disgusted, depressed, addicted, and afflicted self that you were just a few years ago. Now, once you get born again, your life can change. Do you have to get excited about it? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. You don't have to be the broken self. In fact, once you're born again, there should be a transformation that happens in your life and a sanctification process that takes place as you seek first the kingdom of God, as you daily reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. There's a sanctification, but you should not be as big a jerk as you were last year. Be made new creatures that faith in Him and the work of the Holy Spirit through God's Word in our lives, personally, personally. Listen, I'm telling you, sir, ma'am, brother, sister, brethren, God's trying to work on you. Come on, someone say, work it. Just raise your hand and go, work it, Lord. Work it. I wish it was, I wish it was different. But, but, it, but it isn't. I mean, I want it to be easier. Does anybody want it to be easier? I mean, come on, be honest, that's your flesh. You just want like, you know, Lord, if you could just, I think a teacher said this to me. A teacher said, I wish I could just open your head and pour it all in and then you'd be done. I'm like, me too. I remember talking to my biology teacher who was a very unusual guy. He was taking notes while reading a book and having a conversation with us on a different topic. He was men's a level genius. And you never said around him, don't ever say you're bored around Dr. Livingston Cole. That was his name. Don't ever say you're bored. Because he would say, is your head attached? Because if your head's attached, you shouldn't be bored. No, we can we see in the Scripture that building a strong family from God's perspective has two components. So if you want to have a strong family, and we just made the declaration, how many of you know it's God's will for you to have a strong family? Not a jacked up, messed up, toe up family. He wants you to have a strong family. And there's two components to that. The first component is a strong, committed, loving marriage. Amen. That is the first component. And the Apostle Paul spends much time on it. Now we didn't look at it in this, in these verses here, but we did look at it last week. And you can find that online. A strong marriage. If you don't have a strong marriage, you're not going to have a strong family and your kids are going to have a lot of issues. you got to have a strong marriage. And he, he shares that, the Apostle Paul shares that because he knows that if the relationship between you and your wife is strong, it brings safety and strength to the whole family. If the relationship between you and your spouse is not strong, it releases weakness. It, it breaks down the defense that the Lord would build over your kids, over your family, and as a result, you're not going to have a strong family. The enemy will creep in. You'll have all kinds of problems. You say, yeah, pastor, the enemy did creep in. Okay. Okay, he did, but here you are. You can start over now, and you can build a strong family. Come on, you can be a strong parent. You can have strong, faith-filled kids. Children are able to live in a structure that, 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 that blesses them. First, in, uh, first Peter two and three, marriage. we talked on that last week. The second component of having a strong family is raising children God's way. Well, what a revelation. Raising children God's way. What do you mean God's way? Well, there's a way of raising children that's not God's way. Don't raise your hand or shout when I'm preaching good tonight. Listen, I'm going to tell you how Pastor Karen and I did it. And uh, we're still learning. But we have learned a lot. I grieve over the mistakes that I've made with my kids. And I'm thankful that they haven't been catastrophic. We've lived a life of repentance. Another word, And I'm going to get into this a little bit. Listen, tonight is a powerful, powerful word. And uh, children, y'all listening? All the children listening? Come on, look at me and say, yes, faster! Yes. Very good. My wife and I, when we got married, we knew we were going to have kids. We wanted to have kids right away. We got kind of a late start. We were late bloomers. So I was 33 years old, and uh, she was 30 when she had Hannah. So we're, we're in our early 30s. She was 28, 29. And we, we were part of a church, Just we were part of this church, just in another location. And what we did, Pastor Kirsten, is we surveyed. Because we're going to have kids, and we knew that in our families, as best as our parents did it, We had some issues, okay? And they didn't teach us to serve God like I wanted to teach my kids. I wanted my kids to serve the Lord, and they are, but I I don't know how to do that. How am I going to do that? So we surveyed. Literally, we examined families in the church. I mean, you could think this is crazy, but this is what we did. Because I'm not going to raise a dysfunctional, busted, messed up, my marriage is going to make it till death do us part, and I'm going to raise kids that serve God. Oh, God, help me. So we surveyed the families. And we would see certain families, you can call us judgmental if you want. We were just inspecting fruit. We just thought, <laughs> whatever they're doing, we want to do that. Because those are little hellions. <laughs> those, 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 are, those, are, those kids are crazy. They're, they're, they're constantly breaking things. Constantly crawling over stuff, ruining things, stealing things, clearing off coffee tables. I don't, I don't want that. Because, because the contrary to that was, was a family like the Reynolds. And I'll just pick on them these children were obedient I don't I'm not like talking you know robots and living in fear they had this incredible joy the kids had joy there was correction and destruction and going on but but you could see like man these kids really love God and James would come out I'll never forget I'll never forget it James would come out, and it's like when flagging started to be big in churches back then. And somehow, somehow he got a hold of these two little flag streamer things, and he loved to worship. He's a worship leader right now. He's, what is he, 20? Is he 20 years old, something like that? 21. He's ended up being a worship leader. He's so gifted and so anointed. He would come out at, well, I don't know, what was it, six or seven? Be like. (laughs) And he would just be worshiping with everything he had. I was looking over at the kids today. And I was watching you all worship God. It's a beautiful thing to see children worship. Amen. And I thought, no, 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 we want that. That's what I want. Do you remember? I remember we were two or three rows back. And we looked at them and we said, that's what we want right there. And I had that, the model of Dr. Morocco and his family. And, and his kids were teenagers. You know, I met Josh when he, I think he was 15 so I watched them ra- be raised in the church for all the years that I was in the Hawaiian Islands under the tutelage of my pastor, Dr. Morocco, who's still my pastor. And I watched how he treated his wife. And I watched how he treated his kids. And I watched how he overcome challenges and struggles and difficulties. And I, I watched how, you know, the, 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 the kids, Jamie, and, and now Pastor Jamie, and Pastor Janelle, and now Pastor Josh, who you know, he's been coming here for a prophetic We watched them get raised. And I thought to myself, I want that. I want, I want to raise a godly family. I want a strong family. Does anybody else understand what I'm saying? So you've got to learn to raise children God's way. And if you don't learn to raise children God's way, you might have a prison ministry later on with lots of tears. Let's look at the text in both texts, the Apostle Paul addresses children. Now, all of you children, you all look at me now. We, you guys, were getting changed. All of you kids, all of you kids. Let me see all your beautiful little faces. Wave at me if you're, if you're a kid. I don't mean a kid at heart. I mean children, all right? So we, we read Ephesians 6, 1. And can you put that up on the screen? Ephesians 6, chapter 6, Ephesians, verse 1. I want you to understand this because it's rather profound. The Apostle Paul is not talking to the parents. Kids, look at this. Some of you can read. Some of you are learning to read. Children. Everybody say children. Children, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Leave it up. It's a letter. Understand that these letters were written. They were chain letters. that would be sent out, and they'd be read in the congregation. So watch this. If this is being read in a congregation, who's in the service? Children. Children are actually in the church listening to the letter from the Apostle Paul. It's not unlike what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching a message It's not my own. I'm preaching to you a message that's communicated by Dr. James Morocco. It's like what they would do. They would read these letters. And so the Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. He's talking to you kids. Do you know that there's whole churches that don't even have church services for kids? They have babysitting services in the back. That's not what we have. But I'm going to tell you, I will not end Sunday night. I have been sorely tempted at times because you're tired, and you're this, and you're that. But these beautiful children are listening to the sound of my voice and looking at the sheen coming off of my bald head. And they, yeah, they might be coloring, and they might be doing a little bit of Legos, but children are hearing the Word. And I've found in my own life, with my kids on the front row, we made them sit with the family on Sunday nights. We don't do it so much now. But as they were growing up, we made them. And I would preach, Daddy would be preaching. In the early days, we had 15 people on Sunday night. And I'd be preaching, and every so often, my son would look and my daughter would look, and they'd be like, you can see the Word going in. Amen. So the Apostle Paul's talking to children. That's amazing. Wow. Why would he speak to the children in, the, in a letter of this magnitude? Because children are the history, the, the future of the church... They're in the service in which the letter was read and he sees them as important to God. They're distinct persons loved by God. Listen, every one of the little children here, you're the future of the church or the lack thereof should you not be raised and trained. The way that you're training your kids to to walk and to serve the Lord is going to determine what will happen in this house later on. Every child here is important. Including in the womb, in utero. Important. Made in God's image. Made in God's likeness. And listen, all of you beautiful children, you're responsible for your behavior. Now you've got to come to the age of accountability and that's, that's argued by different ones what age that is. But the truth is, children, you're you responsible for God. For your actions. You'll stand before the judgment seat just like I will. So in both Ephesians 6.1 and Colossians 3.20, the apostle Paul's on tro- Paul calls on children to obey their parents. To what? Obey their parents. Obey your parents in the Lord. And it says in, in Ephesians 6.1, whereas in Colossians 3.20 it says, obey your parents in all things. Wow. Children, when growing up, don't get to Choose. You don't, you don't get to choose whether you obey or not. Listen to me, parents, because some of you don't get it. A child doesn't get a choice of whether they choose to obey. You command them, you lead them, you train them, you bring them up. We'll look at those Greek words here in a moment. What that means, you make them obey. Amen. I've seen kids almost run over by buses because parents haven't actually taught them not to run out of the street. I told you that they to run out. Told you? You need to light up the hinder parts of his understanding to make sure he never happens again. No, you. you, you. <laughs> the only restriction is every believer has a greater loyalty to Christ. Listen to me. Has a greater loyalty to Christ and cannot be anything that would be disobedient to him. You, you have to cause your kids to do the right thing. You have to teach them. To do the right thing. And not because they're afraid of you. Teaching your kids to do the right thing because they're afraid of you is the wrong training. Let me say that over on this side. You teach your kids to obey so that they fear you and they do it because they don't want to get in trouble with mom and dad is absolutely, positively incorrect training of children. Well, there needs to be a reverence and a godly fear of dad and mom. But it's way beyond that. It's teaching them to fear the Lord. It's teaching them to do the right thing because God's Word says. You build in them a moral warehouse so that they don't steal because it's breaking the Ten Commandments and God has commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Why don't you steal? Because I'll light your tail up. You steal again. I'm a cookier you and that's going to be the end of it. No, you don't steal because God's Word says thou shalt not steal. And you don't break God's law. You don't break God's word. You obey God. That's why. Then you light up their bottom. You understand. And we'll get into that because there's abuses. Ephesians 6, 1. Says children obey. Children to obey is is right. Or the righteous thing to do. It's a ra- For this is right. It's a righteous thing to do. Colossians 3.20 says that obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Obeying your parents' kids makes God happy. Amen. Obeying your parents in the Lord. Right. You see, some parents are really in need of healing. Isn't that kind of me? <laughs> so they're not in the Lord. So, so children, I'm just going to tell you, if your mom and dad want you to do something that's evil, you don't have to do it. That's what that says. Obey your parents in the Lord. There's all kinds of people that do all kinds of things with their kids and it's wrong. And, and when a kid would wake up to that, then they can begin to tell somebody that's safe and get out from underneath that problem. The Apostle Paul goes on, and if you guys okay, goes on on Ephesians 6, 2 to tie obedience for children as a part of honoring their father and mother and receiving God's promise of prosperity and long life. Wow. Prosperity and long life. Honor your father and mother. It's it's one of the Ten Commandments that you'd have a long life and it'd go well with you. You want a good life, you have to learn to honor your father and mother. Kids. Adults. Some of you don't honor your father and mother. You say, well they're dead and I'm glad they are. You need healing. Maybe you just need a you know, forgive them. And that's one of the most honoring things you can do is forgive your mother, your mother, and your father. I really, I think that's the ultimate honoring thing to do. Forgive them for where they failed. And don't have bitterness and anger towards their heart. You know, you can't give what you don't have. In both Ephesians 6, 4 and Colossians three twenty one, it speaks to fathers, all you men ready. And this is rather profound because in the first century here, Uh, men were, they were completely in charge. In a Roman culture, especially, as he writes this, men could order the death of one of their children and it wouldn't be a problem. They just, you could just get rid of your wife. It's not a problem. Men ruled everything. So for him to talk to fathers like this is rather, rather profound. Ephesians 6, 4 states, fathers don't exasperate your children. In Colossians three twenty one, 21, similar. It says, don't embitter your children. You see, the, in essence, all of you fathers, your behavior towards your kids will shape them. The way that you are with them, how you treat them. If you, if you are constantly making them exasperated, frustrated, and angry through your actions, then you're gonna cause a child that doesn't, that's bitter towards you. And furthermore, we have a whole generation that doesn't like God because God, our Heavenly Father, they don't like that because their father was absent, disappeared, and they're angry. The father's actions can set the emotional tone of a child. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your father abandoned you. And as a result, you struggle with that. Your father, your father wasn't there for you. The absentee father or maybe the father that's, that's so angry or the drunk father that comes home and you hide in your closet. Listen, I've been in ministry a little while. I've heard of all kinds of stories. I don't want to be any of those things and, and, and I'm not. Although I had to learn how to not exasperate my kids. My wife helped me because I'm a teaser generally. I've learned not to do that so much. But I would poke fun and tease and, you know, you can wind your kid up to getting bitter because you're teasing them so much. Wow. Don't do that. He tells them, don't, don't, don't cause your children to be exasperated. Don't embitter them. Fathers are challenged to bring their children up. Now, this is interesting. They're challenged to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. To bring them up. That word in the Greek is to nurture, to feed them. That will, which will help them. To serve God. But it's the same word that's used in Hebrews 12. Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises, he disciplines. So what are you saying? He's saying to fathers, you need to teach your kids. You need to bring them up. It's, it's a picture of, of, of training through chastisement. Which is, which is literally Spanking. Listen, I, I know it's avoided in churches because there's been so much abuse and you get a whole bunch of people that are just scarred and so they don't want to talk about it. But I'm going to tell you, this is what the Word says. In the Word of God, that's what it says. Well, I don't believe in, I don't believe in spanking. Listen, you believe in consequences. Well, that's good. Give consequences. And I, I've seen that work, I suppose. It didn't work for us so well. We had another form, and our, our kids are serving God today. And, and may they serve God the rest of their lives. That's our prayer. You know, you get your kids to leave your house one day and if you've built a moral warehouse and you've done a good job, you hope and pray your ears off that they choose to serve God again. You keep them free from defilement. Amen. Amen. You be careful of what universities they go to. Well, I've seen kids go off to universities on fire, go to the university, get so polluted, get all kinds of weird twisted doctrine and, and you've got atheists that are now evangelistic, which is like... No, really. They're they're out there recruiting for their nonsensical teaching and because kids have not been discipled well in a local church, they go off to universities and they throw away all of their walk with the Lord. we have seen it over and over and over. I've heard even arguments, well, you shouldn't send your kids to university anymore. It's so polluted. I think we need to take over the universities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think there needs to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. I really do. How do you train your child to up in the Lord? And as I said, we looked around and said, you know what, we, we want a family like that. And every kid is different. And you go through seasons in your marriage. And you go through seasons in your finances. And we've gone through plenty of seasons at work, which for us as a church, it's not really work, it's our life, but all kinds of seasons and people coming in and people leaving and influences and How do you train a child to serve the Lord? Well, that's a great question. How do you train a child? Proverbs 22, train a child up in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. See, you have to to take responsibility for training your kid. You do, sir. Talking to fathers. Oh, I'm talking to mothers too, but fathers. He's talking to fathers. You've got to train them up in the Lord. You have to... You have to train them, and you have to discipline them. You have to give them consequences. When they're young, they don't have a choice. He doesn't have a choice to sit between mom and dad right now. I mean, Maybe he wanted to, wonderful. But if he wanted to run up and down the, run up and down the aisles, I promise you that ain't happening in the Davis home. Why not? They're not allowed. Why not? Because it's chaotic, it's out of order, and it's wrong. Why not? I just feel like my kid could just run everywhere. Well, then you will just keep doing that the rest of their life. I'm going to pray for myself. Lord, help me to be gracious and kind. Because you see how angry it makes me with people that throw their kids away and wonder what happened 10, 20 years later and they're all on drugs. God, help me to communicate truth with love. In Jesus' name, amen. Totally serious. Take responsibility for training your children. You take responsibility. Hallelujah. You don't leave it to school. For God's sake, what do they know? Christ. Oh, you don't know the school my kid. Okay, great. Your kid goes to the walk-on-the-water school that's, that's filled, Holy Spirit-filled, perfect teachers. Jesus comes and teaches them himself. Praise God. Let me know what school that is. But anyway, when you're actually going to... Just think about how much time kids spend at school. How much time are they spending in school? I mean, what, what, is, a, what is a school day? Do we, do we know? Is it, is it eight hours? Six to eight hours? Okay, okay. So this is going to sting. So just, you know, you might want to just, well, you parents, just hold your, you know, the bottom of your seat. That helps me when I'm getting spanked by the Lord. Six or eight hours being trained by somebody who's most likely not a believer. A series of them class after class, around kids in a public school setting, around kids that are mostly polluted. I'm sure there's examples of them not being polluted. I'm sure there's righteous kids in school, and may they be yours. But the influence of bad company corrupting good character is absolutely prevalent. And the things that are happening in schools, you just... It would blow your mind. I'll just tell you that most of you have no idea what happens at schools. So six to eight hours at school, and maybe they're playing sports, and they're rubbing shoulders with all the different kinds of kids. I'm not suggesting that your kid lives in a bubble, but, but I am suggesting this, that if they go to school six or eight hours, and they get trained by most people that probably don't know the Lord, and maybe there's some good believers in there, and you know, praise God. How much time are you training them Look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking to me. Is he talking to you? Go ahead and ask him. Is he talking He's not talking to me. How much training are you giving your kids? How much discipleship are you giving your kids? You say, well, I have a job. Well, buddy, you better make some time. Don't, don't, don't offer your children on the altar of your job so you can make some money so you can buy another four-wheeler and take another trip and another, and another, you know, come on, I like stuff and I like four-wheelers and all that, but don't sacrifice your kids so you can get a bigger paycheck. Don't do that. Come on, God can provide for you. Give time. Set aside time to train your kids. You say, you're making me very uncomfortable. Good. I'm going to lock the door too. Praise God. Lock the door. I'm trying to put some sugar on this. But we have a whole generation that doesn't know how to work. Oh, there's exceptions. There's some people that know how to work. I understand. Praise God. But there is a large group of people that don't know how to work, don't know how to process things, don't know how to submit to authority, don't know how to get corrected because they just have a stinking come apart and go cry in some room somewhere. Do you want your kids to be raised like that? Do you want your kids to end up that, that end result? Then why are you allowing it to happen now? Teach your kids to work. And don't just leave it to the church. I'm grateful for for Pastor Kirsten. I'm grateful for our children's ministry. I'm grateful for our youth ministry. The impact that that, uh, Mike Sisson's had on my kids. I'm so thankful. So thankful for your service to the Lord. I am. Your joy. So thankful for, for your ministry to my children, Minister David and Siobhan. You know, you, thank God for godly leadership and people that'll pour into your kids, right? But it's not the church's responsibility. It's, thank God we have a church that helps with that, but you have to take time yourself. You have to take personal responsibility for your marriage. Listen, if your marriage is jacked, it ain't anybody else's fault but your own. Get over yourself and get some marriage counseling. Learn how to be a good husband, you knucklehead, for God's sake. Quit acting like an idiot. Oh, I... I Is the idiot a bad word? All parents train their children. Listen, you train your children either way. What do you mean? You are training your kids. Are you training them in righteousness or are you training them through your foolish, your foolish behavior? Don't smoke. <laughs> Don't smoke. What? What? <laughs> ring ring, ring ring. Tell him I'm not here. Tell him I'm not here. Hello? Who? Oh, the bill collector? Not here. Not here. I'm not here. My mom's not here. You just making a liar. How stupid. You're making a liar just like yourself. Listen, if a shoe doesn't fit, then, you know, don't put it on. But if it does, be rebuked, be corrected, and change your life. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to help you so you don't have a prison ministry. I'm trying to help you so your kids do serve God. I'm trying to help you. And even then, when you've done everything as best you can, pray, pray, bind, loose, until they come out of the, side, the other side and they're making great disciples like you did. You're training your kids by what you do. Amen. <laughs> we having fun tonight? Yes. Ooh, don't misuse your authority right. by making unreasonable demands. We've seen parents make demands of their kids they wouldn't do themselves. Right. Don't misuse your authority by favoring one child over another. God doesn't do that. Can you imagine if God did that? Oh, I like you better than you. So, you know, just, we just want to spend time together. To. Would, would the Lord do that? Can you imagine if the Lord did that? If the Lord had favorites? Don't have favorites. And we've seen that before. Comparing child, why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you? Or they say things like, you're just like your mother's side of the family. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll get there in a second. Don't abuse your authority by humiliating them. Don't humiliate your kids. I've done that. I've hurt my kids through humiliating them. And I've had to repent. Don't mock them. Don't make fun of them. Don't abuse your authority by sarcasm and ridicule. You know sarcasm is evil. Sorry, some of you are sarcastic and you take your pride in how incredible sarcastic you are. Sarcasm is a sign of deep wounding and hurt. And sarcasm is not kingdom language. It's not the God's not sarcastic. You never see that. You never see Jesus acting sarcastic. Ridicule. Ridicule in your kids. Falsely comparing them to others. We've seen fathers try to live through through the kids vicariously. So they wanted to be a superstar in football, and so they do their best to make their kid a football superstar, and the kid doesn't even want to touch the pigskin. Do you understand? And they constantly drive the kid and drive them and drive them. I've seen it in hockey, I've seen it in football, I've seen it with sports, I've seen it with education pushing, ridiculing, jamming it down the kid's throat. And they're not, they're like called to be an artist or something. And, and, and there they are having to like, you know, play ball and feel like they, you know, just totally emasculated because the father's making fun of them and driving them all the time to be this great thing. Listen, each and every one of your kids are different. Yes. Amen. And God made them unique and special. Don't you, don't you, Compare them to others and don't live through your kids vicariously. If you didn't have a successful football career, get over yourself. And and, and allow the Lord to, to to do a divine original through your child. And get healed of your own shortcomings. And get your identity in Christ and quit quit worrying about the fact that you didn't get the play in the fourth quarter of the, of the series, you know? <laughs> By arbitrary discipline or unkind discipline. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel to your kids. It's really because you have an anger problem. We tried to sort that out the other night. If you're raised in an angry home, then you'd have been wounded by that, and you'll find that, which can actually be a demon spirit. A spirit of rage. Some of you know flat out exactly what I'm saying is true. And you can have that thing manifest when your kid just frustrates you and angers you. Listen, if you don't have a rule about it, If you don't have a rule, and then your child does something that was against a rule that you didn't have, or something you didn't like, and then you're going to light them up, what's wrong with you? Don't do that. How do they know? They don't know. They should have known. Right, like you. You should have known. Just take a big, deep breath. Ready? Inner peace. Inner peace. All right, let's go on. Look at C. Know what the word says about disciplining your child. Lots of scripture here. I'll just read a few. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far, him, far from him. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares, oh. You will not believe the next story, but let me finish the scripture. He who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him. This guy misread this. And he, his, his, his son was in juvenile hall now. And he was being witnessed, who I think is by Pastor Brian. It's a true story. And he read the version that said, spare the rod, spoil the child. So he wasn't, he didn't get discipled, and it wasn't really part of a church, but he, he, he took that scripture And said, so you don't ever spank your kid and you spoil them as much as you possibly can. So now, now the kid's 16 and he's like, the Bible's a bunch of bunk. I don't believe anything the Bible says. I, I spared the rod and I spoiled my kid and look at him now. And it sounds like a joke, but it's a true story. We had somebody call and say, would you please help me? My 16-year-old's out of control. I said, he's out of control? Yeah, he's just out of control. We can't control him. I said, well, how long has that been happening? Well, he was just that kind of a kid. He, he just, you know, he was always out of control. I said, what do you mean? Well, he, he just constantly wanted his own way. What? This kid, he just wants to in one of his own way. And we just, you know, he just had a strong personality. And, and we just kind of let him do it. And I said, well, it's too late now. Come on. It's too late now. Now you pray and hope that he gets saved and born again and set free. Right. Yeah. And you just pray. I mean, I, I hate to rain on your parade, but you should have been training him long ago. Yeah. If you just let your kids do whatever they want, then you're going to get a wild person. Okay, lots of scriptures here on on training your kids. Write them down. Memorize them. Get your kids to learn the process of of what it means to be corrected and instructed. Proverbs 19, 18, chasing your son while there's hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. Wow, It, it means if you don't chasten them, or chasten them, I should say, then you're setting them up for destruction. The challenge with that family is they they didn't bring discipline, they didn't bring instruction, and they raised a little tyrant who's not so little. We don't have a gun problem in my mind. I'm just telling you. No more than people have a problem that are heavy with forks. Did you catch that? Let me run that through one more time. No, I think we should have gun laws. I think we should have all of that it should be done right and all that. But I mean, to take the guns and all that, that come on, that's like taking forks from people that struggle with their weight. They're going to eat anyway, baby. I'm just telling you, you're going to eat. I know. Maybe we should have a, you know, steal the forks and knives. Do you think you'd eat if you still had forks? If, if all the forks and knives were taken, do you think you'd be eating? Smart people would have forks and knives hidden somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm starting to feel better from grieving the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you. Ah, oh. All right. Do not discipline out of anger. <laughs> That's funny. Don't discipline out of anger or being annoyed or because of pride. Your goal is that they would learn to obey so that they would obey the Lord. Amen. Now I'm going to shoot high because we've got little ones. Some people say that throwing away discipline is what you should do because that's wrong because there's been abuses. And I've, fe- I've seen abuses and it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. And maybe you came from a home that left deep scars because of the tox- toxicity of your family and how abuse took place through chastisement you understand but to throw the whole thing out i mean the intimacy in marriage can i say it that way that's me shooting high all right you understand what that means okay the intimacy in marriage and 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 rape okay they're two totally different things you understand one is love and and honoring and and and, and beautiful and ordained by the lord and the other thing is absolutely horrible horrible crime so does that mean you throw it out of marriage too? <laughs> no. No, no. Amen. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Model what it means to live for Jesus. Everybody say model what it means to live for Jesus. All right. got to model faith. you got to model holiness. you got to model purity. you got to model Christ-likeness. Give your child an opportunity to know and serve the Lord. I've heard people say, well, we can't come to church. I'm not bringing him to church because he doesn't want to go. And like, the, the, the funny thing is, I mean, does he want to go to school? Does he want to make his bed? Does he want to brush his teeth? If you want to have huge dentist bills, just, you know, kids don't want to brush your teeth, generally speaking. Listen, teenagers, uh, all the teenagers, let, let me say it this way. There's some teenagers that don't know they need to wear deodorant. I'm just going to tell you something. Can I tell you, if your mama didn't tell you and your dad didn't tell you, your pastor's telling you right now. For God's sake, you're 13 years old, 12 years old, start wearing deodorant for God's sake. You smell. Why? Because there's hormones. Right. And so, you know, you you stink. Okay. Brush your teeth. I mean, if you've got all kinds of fungus and things coming out of your teeth. Listen. You need to brush your teeth. You need to floss. You need to change your shorts. I'm talking to the husbands now. Some of you guys don't know nothing. Had those things on for a week and you're like, what's up? She's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, get away from me. Come on, someone say change your shorts. Yeah, change them. Teach your kids, instruct your kids and give them an opportunity to know the Lord. You know, you come, we're gonna give an altar call here in a moment and I believe some kids are gonna be like giving their hearts to Jesus or recommitting or something. Thank God for Sunday nights. Thank God for Sunday morning. Thank God for Wednesday. Thank God for camps. Listen, we have camps. Don't tell me you don't have any money. Because you got money, whatever you have money you want, you have money for whatever you want money for. Do I need to encourage myself? you got to start smiling or something. You have money for whatever you want money for. And listen, how about plan a little bit so you don't understand. Okay, fixed budget. It's tight. I understand. I've been there. I understand. And it's good to have a budget. It's good to be a good steward. But how about Plan. How about, how about figure out what the children's camp's gonna be and then 10 months before, how about a year before that, you start putting a little bit of money away so that you can send your kid to go get touched by the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost, learn the Word, and be somebody who's serving God all of their lives instead of come up to that moment where you haven't planned. Or your youth. We've got camps coming up. I'm telling you, camps are coming. They're right around the corner. Start planning. Start planning. Put away 25 bucks. Put away another 25 bucks. Put away 50 bucks. Put it up. Put it in a jar. Do whatever you got to do. Send your kid to camp. Because at these camps, at these times, mission trips. Send them on mission trips when we have them. Invest in your kids. Invest in them. Bring them to church. If they're sick, they have a headache, you know, whooping cough is maybe something else. But I mean, if they have a headache. Come. Get healed. Get, pray. Pray over them. Encourage them. Listen, I'm all for going hunting and camping and fishing and hiking and all of that. But I am very committed to being in service. It's because you're, no, it's not because I'm a pastor. I've been doing this way before I was a pastor. It's what we did. And, and listen, let me just tell you that I have an incredible marriage. Say, so why is that? Well, I promise you, it's not because of some innate goodness in me or in her. We had to work at it. Some of you think it just you just stumble into the blessings. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. 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 We had to fight for it. And you know, my wife and I are sort of fiery. She's really sweet and fiery, right? She is. It's a great gift, praise God. So we have had some pretty explosive conversations. Some would call it fighting. <laughs> now listen, you should never fight in front of your kids. Okay, we, we, we failed a number of times. In fact, I have this one scar right now. I'm kidding. You <laughs> should never fight in front of your kids. You should never, you should never demean your spouse. And, and you know, we have did pretty good at the, the no demeaning. Pretty good. The no fighting thing. We, you know, we got to eat it a couple times. You know what it does to a kid when they see their parents fight? Do you know how it rips? I can put Daniel on the spot. He'll preach about it later. Because it does, it wounds a kid in a place and it breaks up their absolute security. I mean, their whole world. Listen, fathers, mothers, you represent God. That's who you represent to your kids. So when they see you acting the fool or losing your temper or blowing it, it absolutely shakes them to their very foundation. It brings fear. It undermines the whole process of God's kingdom in your home. And some of you do it every stinking stop. Stop it. I'm rebuking you. I'm your pastor. I'm rebuke you. Stop. You're destroying your kids and knock it off. You're gonna have a fight. Don't get physical. Work it out. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Go upstairs, close the door, do it between you and your wife, work it out and come out loving, at least acting like it. If I don't feel like I'm in love, well, you're you're a knucklehead, that's why. You just need to act like you're in love and you will feel it later. <laughs> no, that's profound what I just said. You act loving. Feelings come and go. Exactly right. I fell out of love. No. you partially brain damaged. Yeah. <laughs> That's why that 40-day love dare thing is so powerful. Oh, yeah. Because they, how many of you know the 40-day love thing? I've got a, my time's up. The four, how many of you know heard of the 40-day love thing? Right. The 40-day love thing is so powerful because it causes you as a spouse, and you should do it so your spouse doesn't know if you're really trying to turn things around. Get that thing and start serving your wife or serving your husband and buy flowers and do stuff and follow that for 40 days. Fast and pray and act Christ-like and watch. All of a sudden she'd be like, hi. You're like, you got something in your eye? No. She, she's all of a sudden, Even you should change your shorts, but you forgot, but she's still blinking at you. you can't, I'm going to tell you, people cannot resist the love of God and if you start acting that way, whether you feel like it or not, you will see feelings return. Passion and fire return. You guys getting anything tonight? Uh, Minister Wonderful, would you come and set me free? Be in agreement as parents, lastly. Be in agreement as parents. And always build up your spouse. Always build them up. Just go, well, you know, your mother, she's crazy. (laughs) Well, you know, your father, he is, uh, you know, he did bump his head a number of years ago. (laughs) Build up your husband. Build up. Listen, you might have some of those thoughts. Work them out with the Lord, but don't share them with your kids. Don't, don't do that. Build up your spout. Build up your kids. Speak life into them. Prophesy over them. You're going to do great things. I mean, we called our, we called our kids. You get, the Davises called our kids their precious treasures. It's beautiful. they never forget that. Precious tre- treasures. I used to take my, tell my kids all the time. From the time they were born as early as I can remember, you're world changers. Brackens are world changers. That's what we are. We're changing. We're Brackens Preach the gospel. We're world changers. You're going to be a world changer. You're a prince. I have on my phone my daughter's contact is my princess. One day she'll be a queen, but my, meanwhile she's my princess. And for all of you all listen out there, you're going to have to go through me to get to her. Praise God. <laughs> Honor your kids. Love them. Build them up. Tell them they can do it. Listen, fathers, masculinity is imparted. So you tell your son, And you tell your daughter how incredible they are, what men of God they're going to be, and how special they are. You tell your daughter how beautiful she is. I I need to go there for just a second. When my daughter, you know, she's she's an adult now. She's off in college. When she started to become a, a, a woman, that's all I'll say about that. You know, it kind of changed for me. But Daniel and I are still wrestling around, throwing each other around, wrestling in the bed. Then she starts becoming the woman. I'm like, whoop, game over. <laughs> and she just, you know, she's she still wanted to wrestle. I'm thinking, no, no, things have changed now. <laughs> Do you understand? And I'll never forget Pastor Karen saying to me, you are excluding your daughter. I said, yeah, but." It's different now. She said, you need to love on her and hug on her, just like you do, Daniel. Don't change the way that you're behaving. I thought, really? She says, yep. And then I read somewhere, if you don't love and hug on your daughter, and somebody else will. I thought, instantly motivated. Come here, baby. Come here. Give me a hug. Because they need that. Your kids need that. Affection. You say, I'm not affectionate. Change. See, we don't say that we love each other in our family. Change. Can you imagine if God never said that He loves you? He says it all over. For God so loved the world. You've got to communicate that you love your kids. You've got to show them that you love with your money, with your time, with your talent, with your emotions. Is anybody getting anything tonight? Raise godly kids. Have a strong family. And don't leave it to chance or some school teacher for God's sake. Or raise them on an iPad. I might preach right now. You know, Fortnite is a big thing. And some of you don't know what that is, and some of you do. Fortnite is a game, and I think it can be incredibly good, and it can be incredibly bad. For the longest time, we didn't allow online gaming because we didn't know who they'd be talking to on the other side. And still, now to this day, we allow it. Our sons growing up, is great great man of God and he enjoys playing Fortnite. But there's a clock. Because you ain't going to lose your mind for the next five hours in Fortnite. Why? Because it's it's not a good use of time. And the other thing is I'm asking, you could interview him. So, who's on? This person, this person, this person, this person. I'm like, good. So well, I know who's on. It's not, you know, Mr. Triple X pro, pervert from, from Iowa or something. I watch the devices. I've, I've ruled over devices. If you don't, listen, if your kid won't, all the kids gonna hate me right now that are trying to watch over their phones. There's apps to hide apps. Do you know what an app is? Not an appetizer. I'm talking about an app on a phone. Listen, I, I am techie. I'll tell you why I'm techie. Because the devil can't have my kids, so I better understand full-on what's going on. And I'm not as techie as maybe others, but, but I force, I got a Snapchat. I use it. I also stalk. I'm a stalker. Yeah! yeah, yeah. I stalk. I know what's snapping away. I've got Instagram. I've got that stuff. Yes, some of it, it's good. I like to use it for a little artistic release and for the church and for stalking. Because I'm gonna know who's talking to my kids. I'm gonna know what pictures coming forth. I'm gonna watch their stuff. And there's, you know, there's been times where I'm like, hey, I look at their friends. I look at their friends on Instagram. Hello? So you look at their friends on Instagram and you see a lot of no clothes and stuff. There's a problem. So we don't do that. Why are you friends with this person? Yeah. Well, I don't know. They're following me. That's a common one. So why follow back? I just wanted to follow them back. Well, it might be innocent, but you know, maybe the devil's involved there. Um, you need to clean that up. Some of you, you know what's crazy, Pastor Kirsten, and some people don't even know what I'm talking about. Your 10-year-old does not need a smartphone. Your 11-year-old doesn't need a smartphone. Your 12-year-old doesn't need a smartphone. And I do believe at some point you're gonna have to, if they're gonna function in this world of growing technology, you have to help them learn to manage that so that they're, you know, what are you gonna do, lock them in a cave and give them a little chisel and a rock to do school? No, we're going to impact the world. We're going to take the, the city of Zion. We're going to take it. We're going to, my king is installed in Zion. I believe that God is going to raise up kids right out of this place to be in politics, to be in high places of government and finance. Yes, you're going to learn how to function and stay undefiled in the world. Don't live in some sort of bubble, Christian bubble, and wait for Jesus to rescue you. But you've got to teach and train your kids. You should know what's on your kid's phone. You should know who their friends are. You should, listen, if you, listen, if they're looking, you see how many texts go through. So if it's like 150 texts to some unknown number, you should probably find out whose number that is. So that's controlling. No, that's good parenting. And then you teach them and you instruct them and you give them the word and you raise them up to have a strong family. Did you get anything? Me too. Come on, stand up on your feet. Come on, begin to pray for your family. And you know, you you might have a broken family tonight. Pray for your family. I want you to hear this. This is the Lord. I want you to hear this. OK.
1: You know, um, you know, we tried our best um, with our kids. You know, God is good and been so kind to us. But it's it can be so challenging. Can I get a witness? <laughs> it's hard. It's like the most, it is, I have found it to be the most challenging thing in my life raising kids. And I've forgiven myself, but I failed so many times. And I just know that if you're a a single mom or a mom or a grandma or an aunt or somebody in foster care who's raising kids, there can be like this condemnation that the enemy just brings on you. I still feel grief and grieve over some of the, and it's just the devil, you know, but it still comes up sometimes about some of the things I might have said or done or I didn't do something well enough.
0: You didn't talk bad about me, did you?
1: No, I mean, I got mad at you. I mean you want true confessions sure I said I've said stuff you know and you heard me say it yeah I did and not perfect I'm just being it. completely real not perfect anybody else not perfect I've failed so many times but we just keep trying and I just want you to be encouraged to just if you messed up because we all mess up we all fall short I mean, still, you know, we still fall short. God help us in our humanity. I'm so thankful for His grace. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. So thankful. And uh, I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage you and touch you tonight. If you have, you know, felt like you failed, maybe your kids are grown, maybe you didn't do that. You hear this message, you're like, man, I wish I would have known that. You do the best that you can do at the time. I've done the best that I've known how to do and I failed so many times. And that's, I think, what we can all say. But from this moment forth, from this moment forth, we can, we can pray, we can repent, and then we can start new today. We can start new tonight. Amen.
0: Why don't you lead us?
1: All right. Lord, we just come before you tonight. Lord, so thankful. Lord, that we don't have to raise our kids alone. So thankful for your mercy and your kindness and your grace. Lord, and I just lift up all those ones right now who who might just be feeling grief. Just sadness over failures. And wish they'd done something different. I have so many things like that in my life. And I know you've forgiven me, but it still hurts sometimes. And Lord, I'm asking now for your presence just to come upon those. Lord, we... come on just repent to the Lord right now you just do it between you and him father we repent Lord for our shortcomings our failures things that we should have done better that we knew that we should have done but we didn't in our weakness for whatever reason Lord I'm asking that you would just forgive forgive me Lord once again forgive us and I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would just come now come on just lift your hands up to the Lord come now upon your people Lord, I bind and break off condemnation. I bind and break off the lies and the whispers of hell that want to come even and and just uh, bring condemnation and make people feel guilty and grieve over the things that they might have said or done or didn't do. And Lord, I break that off now. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, fill us up. Fill us up afresh tonight. God, you've given us grace. You've given us a a way. You've given us the means, your word, to know how to, to train our children. And we ask, God, give us strategy. Give us strategy. Give us wisdom. Help us to move slowly and obey your word. God, help us to put structures in place. Help us to get help. There's all kinds of help. There's small groups. There's people. There's leaders. God. I pray, God, just touch and heal and bless families. And Lord, I pray for single parents right now, Lord, who have just recently gone through divorces or, or just raising their kids by themselves. Lord, would you just come upon them? I thank you that you are the father. You are the loving, godly father. Give them grace. Give them grace. Give them strength tonight. And Lord, those who are orphan, have been orphaned or in the foster care system, children, Maybe you went through that whole thing. Lord, I pray for your healing power. And Lord, your word says, I think it's in one of the Proverbs, it says that you set the lonely in families. And Lord, that's what you did for me. Lord, you took me out of my situation. Lord, I was grieved because I didn't have certain things in my family. And you placed me in a church. You placed me in a small group. You placed me in a family, the family of God. a family of believers. And you healed me and set me free and made me see what it's like to live a godly life. And I thank you, Lord, that that's available for every single person, every single child, every single person in this place. And we just give you glory. We give you honor and we give you praise in Jesus name.
0: Hallelujah. My father gave me the best that he could. And I'm thankful for what was good and right and just and pure, but I needed more. I got that in the church. I became a man in the church. Before I came to church, I was a boy, frozen in my emotions, incapable of being selfless and helping people. It was all about me. I got healed. I got set free. And God gave me spiritual fathers. He gave me my main spiritual father. He gave me Dr. Morocco, who instructed me, corrected me, taught me, loved me. He was here last Tuesday I've heard this before but I just I just got to tell you he looked at me and we both had tears in our eyes and he said Daniel I'm so proud of you I just thought oh God that's awesome it just does something to you God wants to complete you and heal you he does that by his word and he does it through people there are people who are healthy healed and whole that won't manipulate and won't abuse you. They're out there. They're here in this house. I'm one of them. My wife is one too. not perfect, of course. But if you didn't have a mom and you didn't have a dad, you can come to church and get one. That's right. I said, you can come to church and get one. We need to do another thing,
1: we need to, pray for, um, we need to do another thing, which is we need to pray for those who do have wayward kids and want him to come home.
0: Let's pray for we'll and then we'll be done. All right? You know, some of you don't know this about me, and I don't share it a lot, but others of you do know. I didn't serve the Lord my whole life. My 20s, I was wild, demonized, and crazy. And I got married when I was 21. And. We had two children, two daughters, I have. And we were married for three years and we were divorced with restraining orders and all kinds of stuff, and rightfully so. Like I said, I was crazy. And what I did to that family was unspeakable. It's under the blood now. And I got saved shortly thereafter. Do you know I've been trying to reconcile with those two daughters for over 20 years? They will not talk to me. They won't Facebook me. They won't Instagram. I am blocked from all communication with them. And they're 27 and 28 now, and that I never had the opportunity to be a father to them. But one day, that will change. One day, my daughters will come. I believe. I believe they'll come. Maybe in the new church. Every church I've ever pastored, I imagine them coming down and sitting on the front row with my family. Amen. Maybe it'll happen in the new church. Amen. So these, you see these two beautiful girls come in and sit up on the front row one day? They're my daughters. Amen. I'm going to pray them in again. I've been doing this for 20 something years. It might, You might just be a day away from your kids coming home Come on, how many of you know some kids that are maybe wayward, maybe old, even in your own family? Come on, let's call them forth and then we'll close tonight. Father, we thank you. We call them in. Break off every assignment, every lie. Lord, they would see and hear clearly. And they would come in and be healed. Lord, you bring restoration to relationships, broken relationships with fathers, with mothers. Or those that are trained and raised up, even in the house of the Lord, you said in your Word, "Train a child up in the way he should go when he's old, and not depart from it." God, bring them in that they would serve you with all their heart. Heal families. Bring home every lost child for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, and help us to be parents, grandparents, maybe for some of you, to model foster parents to be people that model what it is to be a man of God, a woman of God, to be Christ-like, to raise children in the nurture admonition of the Lord, to have strong families. That we would have strong families here. Say with me, I will, I will have a strong family. Say it again. One, two, three, go. I will have a strong faith. Come on, say it again. Raise your hand to God, because He's the one that's going to help you to do it. Say it. I will have a strong faith. It's not only possible, it's God's will, and He gives you His Word how to do it, not do it. You do your job, resource yourself, get plugged into the church, develop relationships, you can do it. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, those here, if you're not right with God, we always give an opportunity to be reconciled to Him. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that or you need to recommit because you've drifted in your walk with the Lord or you've never done it before, give your heart to Him. Repent of your sin and ask Jesus to come into your life. You must be born again. If that's you, you're not born again and you want to be, I want you to pray this prayer with me right out loud. Just with all your heart right before the Lord. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place. And rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And thank you that he rose again from the grave. So raise my life up now. I'm coming to you the best way I know how. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me bless you, Father. Thank you. Fill and touch and bless. Break every chain, every bondage, generational curses as well. We thank you and praise you.